Great to have you here this morning, Grace Church. Man, what an honor to, uh, to just be together, to fellowship. And uh, it was the same way the first service. It was hard to get everybody back together. So I love that you enjoy talking to one another. My name is Justin Ross. Uh, for those of you that may be visiting, I'm the lead pastor here at Grace Church. And today what, what I'm doing is that I'm just taking a little time to remind us about the mission of Grace Church. Like, what is our strategy? What is our plan to accomplish the mission of, of, of the church? And, and I don't know if you know this or not, but the church has a mission. Like, we are supposed to do things. We have things that God has told us to do. We have a mission that we are supposed to accomplish, and we're going to be reminded of that today. So the, the goal of today's message is to remind us of how we plan to accomplish the mission that God has given us. And today, what we're talking about is we're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the culture within uh, where we live. We're going to talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the culture where we live. And what I'm going to do today is I'm going to try to answer two questions. Okay, The first question is this. What is our role or what is your role as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, what is your role as a Christian within the culture that you live? You may be here this morning and maybe you're not a Christian. Maybe you're still seeking out the things of God and that's okay. You, today you can learn about, man, what, what are Christians supposed to do in, in the world in which they live? So that first question is, what is our role as Christians within our culture? And the second question is this, what is the role of the church? What is the role of Grace Church collectively? within the culture that we live. And so we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to be looking at verses 19 through 27. And and this is incredibly important because we are called to reach our region. We are called to reach people within our spheres of influence. We are called to reach our region, which is Durango and Bayfield, Ignacio, Pagosa, Cortez, and other surrounding communities. And so let me start out the message this morning by being very upfront with you. And let me say this, Grace Church loves Durango, okay? We are for the community where we are at. We love Durango. We love La Plata County. We love this region. We are not here to fight the city. We are not here to fight Durango or the surrounding communities. We are here to serve Durango and the surrounding communities. We don't want to just have a great church. We want to have a great community. So we love Durango. So let me, let me just tell you a little bit about Durango, the community where you live, where you're um, planted right now. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Durango. The population of Durango is sitting right at 17,000 people, 52,000 people in La Plata County. The median age of Durango is 30 years old. So it's a very young community, and many of, uh, most of the people that live here moved here from somewhere else. So welcome to Durango. It's great to have you. Durango is a very intellectual and educated city, but I, I think we hide it really well. And uh, close, close to half of the population in Durango um, has at least a bachelor's degree in college. So we are a creative city, a very social, very artsy. There are plenty of coffee shops in Durango. We have plenty of coffee shops. And when you moved here, you found out really quickly that Durango is a pretty expensive place to live. It's not real cheap to live here. And um, 
The median household income, by the way, is is $53,000, the median household income. So when it comes to families, okay, a little bit more about Durango, 52% of the homes in Durango are either single-parent homes or couples living together without being married. And when it comes to religion, only 35% of the people in this community are affiliated with any type of religious congregation, only 35%. So Durango is very expensive, it's very educated, young, artsy, very creative, it's a very laid-back culture, and Durango loves to recycle, all right? That is the community in which you live. So you might be wondering, like, Justin, why all the details about Durango? Because the people that we are called to reach, as, as the people of God, as a church, are right here in Durango. And, and you need to know a little bit about the people that we're trying to reach, the culture that we're trying to reach. See, we are called to love those who are far from Jesus all over this region. That's what we are about. That's the heartbeat of this church. And the question is, is how do we love this region well? How do, how do we love our community? How do we love the people around us? How do we impact this community or this region. And I know some of you may be thinking, what, what can we offer this community? You know, like we're just, we're a smaller church. Like what, what do we have that we can give to the community? What do we have to offer? And the answer is, we have the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is our gift to the city of Durango. What Durango needs, what this region needs most is Jesus. That's what this region needs is Jesus. And you you may be sitting here this morning and you're like, man, the gospel, that's just a really churchy term. I don't even know what that means, Justin. Like, what is the gospel? So let me answer that question before we go any further. What is the gospel? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. And the Apostle Paul says this. He's writing this. He's explaining this. And he's actually writing to a church that was in the city of Corinth. And this church was really broken. It was really messed up. And so he's trying to kind of clean up the mess. And he says this, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. The Apostle Paul says, I passed on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. So if you've ever wondered, like, what is the gospel? Like, I hear that churchy term, what is it? Here it is. Here's the answer. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, verse 4, He was buried and He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the Apostle Paul tells us the gospel is first knowing that Jesus died. And let me remind us that no one disputes this. No one argues the reality or the fact that Jesus actually lived and that Jesus actually died. No one disagrees with that. No one argues that reality. He died on a cross. Remember, the cross is a symbol of the Christian faith. He died on that cross. And and why did he have to die? Paul says... He had to die for our sins. 
for your sins, for my sins. That's why he had to die. And so now we learn that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. Jesus is God who came to earth. He lived a sinless life, and he died for our sins. And Paul then writes, just as the Scriptures said. So now we learn that the Bible's true, and we're sinful, and Jesus is God, and salvation is through him alone. You see, Jesus died for our sin, according to the Scripture. He was buried, further proof that he was, in fact, dead. And on the third day, he rose again to fulfill Scripture. You see, as humans, we, we were separated from God. There's a separation between us and God because of our sin, because of our brokenness. All of the brokenness in our lives, in our culture, in our communities, in our families, in our country, in our world, it's, it's because of sin. You see, God, God always gets a bad rap. Whenever there's something bad that happens in the world or in our community or in our lives, the humanity lifts its fist in the face of God. And God is the one who gets blamed. But if you're going to blame something for the brokenness in this world, you need to blame sin. You need to blame the sin that we battle every day. We're the ones causing the chaos and the mess and the brokenness. It's sin. It's not God. Even with good intentions, sinners always produce bad results. You see, Jesus is the one who takes away our sin, and he makes us into new people so that we can live new lives and produce good, godly results. And only through Jesus can we build a better community. Only through Jesus can you build a good, strong, healthy family. Only through Jesus can we build a better region. And so everything hinges on the issue of the gospel because the problem is always sin. It's always the brokenness within us. The problem is always sin. And Jesus is the only one who defeated sin. He lived a sinless life and he conquered sin on our behalf. We can be made righteous. We can be made right because he is righteous, because he is right. And Paul says this gospel, okay, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, this gospel is most important. This is the most important thing. It's the most important thing to know. And that is our gift to this region, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the most important thing to know. Let me start with the second question first. I gave you two questions at the beginning, and I'm going to answer the second question first. And, and that question is, is, what is the role of the church? What is, what is the responsibility? What's the role of Grace Church? Now, when it comes to the mission of the church, I think many Christians have what I will call, many people that come in uh, to church, they have what I call a cruise liner mentality. Okay, And this is, this is how a lot of people think. Not right or wrong, this is just reality. This is how a lot of people think when they come into a church. This is how they think. They, they think, the church should offer me services, and they should offer services for my whole family, like sports. You know, I need some sports opportunities. Um, entertainment, child care services. I need some business networking. 
And um, people uh, show up to church thinking, what does this church have to offer me and my family? Does it have activities for everyone in my family? Is is the pastor funny, or at least funny looking, right? Like, I want to have a little bit of entertainment while I'm listening to him talk. Um, Are his sermons short? Because that's really important. Okay, that's really important to me. I need to make sure that they're short. And is the music good? Okay? What, what does the church have to offer me? And if the church fails to cater to their preferences, well, they just simply go and they get on another cruise liner because there's plenty of cruise liners to choose from. And some even get involved with three or four different cruise liners at the same time because the, you know, the music is great on cruise liner number one. And the kids' program is, is fantastic on cruise line number two. The youth group is rocking on cruise line number three. And, and the preaching is, is decent, you know, on, on uh, cruise line number four. So they're just, like, spread out all over the place. That's the cruise liner mentality. Other people will walk into the church, and, and they think the church should be like a battleship. They have the battleship mentality. And this way of thinking is certainly better than the cruise liner mentality, but the battleship mentality implies that the church institution does all of the fighting. And so on this ship, the role of the church people, or the church members, you could say, is to pay the pastors, to pay the staff, to find the targets, and to fire, and to, you know, to, to, to do all the fighting while they just sit back and watch that's the battleship mentality. And on this ship, the, the people or the members, they see the programs, the services, and the ministries as the primary way that the church is going to fight and accomplish the mission. This is the battleship mentality. In my opinion, the metaphor that works best to represent the role of a church is an aircraft carrier. Okay, Like the battleship, Aircraft carriers engage the battle, but they they do it in a different way. You see, aircraft carriers, they equip and they prepare planes to be sent out to take the fight to the enemy. If you talk to anyone that has ever served on an aircraft carrier, they'll say the last place they ever want to have a battle is on the deck of their aircraft carrier. They want to be as far away from the battle as possible, and they're sending out planes to take the fight to the enemy. You see, if our church is going to prevail against the gates of hell, we have to view our church like an aircraft carrier. Certainly not like a cruise liner and and not like a battleship, but the, the people of the church, the members, those who have committed to the church of God, must learn to share the gospel on their own with, without the pastor standing right next to them, you know, telling them exactly what to say. They, they've got to be equipped. They've got to be able to do it on their own, in their own circles of influence all over the region. The people of the church need to be in the community. The people of the church need to be sent out. They need to be the ones starting ministries. They need to be the ones starting small groups. They need to be the ones starting churches where there are none. You see, our church must become a sending force. We have to equip you, the saints of God, to do the work of ministry, to take the fight to 
the enemy. Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor was a, a British Christian missionary to China. So he went to China. He was trying to uh, take the gospel, the love of Christ to China. And, and Hudson Taylor was one of the greatest missionaries of our time. He founded the Interdenominational China Inland Mission. And this mission wound up uh, sending more than 800 missionaries around the world from China. And this mission built um, over 125 schools to help educate people. And they also established 300 local churches. I mean, his impact is still being felt to this day. Hudson Taylor, something you need to know about him, though, is he adopted the Chinese dress. When he went to China, if you saw a Chinaman and you saw Hudson Taylor, you couldn't tell the difference. He looked just like a Chinaman. So he adopted their dress and the Chinese culture while he was serving as a missionary, which was extremely controversial in his day. And it was extremely controversial to the the current models of how you were supposed to do missions. But Hudson Taylor said this. This is so cool. I love this quote right here, right? Hudson Taylor said, I'm not looking to produce good colonial subjects. I'm trying to tell people about Jesus. And Jesus never dressed like a proper Victorian gentleman. I love it. I love that. He wasn't trying to to make the China, the people of China like the people of Britain. He was taking Jesus. He wasn't trying to change their culture. He was trying to change their souls for eternity. And, you know, we kind of chuckle at that story. And I think some of us even expect, you know, you may know a little bit about missions. Maybe you don't. People that are sent out from churches to take the love of Jesus around the world. But we expect missionaries to learn the language of a different culture. You know, to eat the food of a different culture. To listen to the music of a different culture. You know, to, to just really get immersed in that culture and really learn about the people they're trying to reach. But, but here's, a, here's a question for us, and, and I think it's going to be challenging to you. But why doesn't that same thought apply to us in our own culture? Why don't we take the same approach in trying to reach the people in our region? Instead of trying to make them like us, what if we actually learned about them and their culture? What makes them unique? Why doesn't it apply to our same culture? I mean... What if we're trying to reach a very tech-savvy culture? We should probably know something about technology. You know, what if we're trying to uh, reach a Native American culture or a Spanish or Hispanic culture or a culture with a lot of families or or rural areas, you know, with farmers or hippies, you know? What if we're trying to reach Cortez? You know what I'm saying? Like, we've got to learn some things about culture, Okay. You, you have to find a way to speak their language because cultures are different. It's not right or wrong. It's just different. And it's about getting the gospel into that culture. I want us to look at what the Apostle Paul said about this very thought, about this idea of the, 
you know, how we're supposed to get the gospel into our culture. And once again, it's the Apostle Paul was writing to this church in Corinth, and this church was really broken. It was really messed up. This, what this church had done, it's like a lot of people that moved to Durango, okay? I'm not picking on anybody, so please don't, don't think I'm picking on you, but a lot of people will move to Durango, and they're like, man, I got here, but I don't want anybody else to come, you're right? You, you all know who, who you are, <laughs> all right? The same thing happens in church. Where it's like, man, I have met Jesus. I have this peace that I've never experienced before in my life. I I have peace in my home that I've never had. My relationship is functioning better. I have this new lease on life. I have purpose in my life. Like, this is awesome. I have a community of of believers that I'm connecting with and friendships. But you know what? Like, man, I I don't want broken people to come in and mess up what I got. And so we kind of come into our holy huddle, and it's like, man, I, I don't want anybody to mess it up. And that's the same thing the church in Corinth was doing. And the Apostle Paul says some things that blows that thinking to pieces. Okay? So brace yourselves. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19. The Apostle Paul, writing to this broken church, he says, for though I am free from all, okay, Paul is saying, I, I'm, a, I'm a free man. No one is forcing me to write this. I'm free. Okay, I'm free from all. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all willingly. I willingly choose to serve people. When I walk into a culture, I accommodate people. I love people. I, I serve people. I'm willing to learn their language and read their books and listen to their bands and watch their films and learn their culture. And I want to know their hopes. I want to know their dreams. I want to know their fears. I want to get to know them. I want to figure out who they are so I can find a creative way to tell them about Jesus. Why? That I might win more of them. I want to win them. I don't want to judge them into salvation. I don't want to shun them into salvation. I want to win them. We should be winsome people. This, this has to be the win for Grace Church. Like, What is Grace Church all about? Our job is to connect people to the living God who will forgive their sins and save their souls. That's what we're all about. So let me be crystal clear about this. What is, what is the win for Grace Church? What is the role of Grace Church? The win is to make disciples of Jesus who will in turn make disciples of Jesus. That that is the win for our church. You might say, what does that mean, Justin? It means that when you give financially to the ministries of Grace Church, you're funding that mission. You're helping us to make disciples who make disciples. It means the church is always going to be full of Or by God's grace, it's always going to be full of broken people. We want broken people to be redeemed and restored. So it's going to be full of broken people. It's going to be uncomfortable. It means that it's going to get messy at times. You see, when people come in with their brokenness, it's messy. But you know what? We welcome broken people. I'm a broken person. okay, And we want to see them restored and redeemed by Jesus Christ. It means that 
man, by God's grace, we're going to continue to grow. We're going to continue to reach uh, more and more people because when, when people see real life change, when they see someone who was like strung out on drugs and broken relationship after broken relationship after broken relationship, and they see that individual changed, people say, you know what, I, I got to check this out. And what that means is more and more people start coming. Every seat starts filling up. And, you know, the regular church attenders, I'm, I, I hate to say this, but it's going to get harder and harder to find a parking spot. And, and we may even ask you to park two blocks away, catch a bus, hitchhike, I don't know. But you may have to get here, you know, by foot, I don't know. It's just going to be uncomfortable sometimes. And that's what we want. That's what we're fighting for. It means that we will always be disrupted by the next opportunity to reach more people. We're open to new ideas. We're trying to be creative. We're open to opportunities. You see, we are in a spiritual war. And war is never convenient. Ever. And Paul goes on to say this. Verse 20, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. He says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew. Or you could say, to the Chinaman, I became as a Chinaman. Or to the Durangatang, I became a Durangatang, right? To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. Let me remind you, the Jewish culture was a a culture full of rules and full of hoop jumping. And Paul said, man, whatever it takes to be able to tell people about Jesus Christ, I'll do it. Short of sin, I'll do it. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people that by all means... I might save some. Man, can you, can you just hear the passion behind the Apostle Paul? I am willing to do whatever it takes short of sin to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. You know, unfortunately, I think for many of us, and when I say many of us, let me just really get specific. I think for many of us that... Uh, have a maybe a longer church background or have been around church for a long time, I think for many of us, non-Christians or people that are unchurched, they're kind of an annoyance. They kind of annoy us. You know, we, we, we don't like their lifestyle. We don't like the booze they drink, the beds they sleep in. We definitely don't like the way they vote. You know, that really annoys us. They, they annoy us. Do you realize how far from the heart of God your heart is when you shun or turn away or reject people who are far from Jesus? I don't think you could get any further from the heart of God. 
Because God looks at those same people who are far from Him, who maybe they use His name in vain on a regular basis, they curse Him, they, they, they have nothing to do with Him, but God looks at those same people and He has this intense love and affection for them and He's rooting for them to be redeemed and He has paid the ultimate price through His Son Jesus to to make it possible for everyone to come home. And if I'm growing in my relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ, my heart is going to become more and more like His. And I'm going to start to act and think and feel like God does. Let me just ask you this question. Is is your focus... You may have to ponder this for a while. Don't raise your hand, but is your focus on always being right? Or is your focus on reaching people? And why is making disciples such a big deal at Grace Church? Because people matter. Everyone you see today, every single person you see today that your eyes come across Everyone is going to spend an eternity somewhere. There is a real heaven and there is a real hell. And people really do go to one or the other. And we want everyone, our desire is for everyone to experience the same peace, the same joy, the same life, true life, that can only be found in Jesus Christ. Church, listen, The stakes have never been higher. People greatly matter to God. They should greatly matter to us. And this morning, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to remind us of the mission. Like, why are we doing this church thing? This is why we're doing it. Because we have something to do. We have things to accomplish. We have people to reach. So what is the role of the church? We've defined it this way. This is our strategy to accomplish that mission. We've said this. We want to see people get in. We want to see them grow up. And we want to see them go out. We want to see people get in, grow up, and go out. When you walk into the lobby, you'll see some banners hanging on the wall. Pretty cool banners, I think. Okay? But you're going to see people, we, want, we want to see people get in, grow up, go out. By get in, we want to see them transformed by God. We want to see them commit to get baptized just like Jesus was baptized. And we want to see people commit to his church, the church that Jesus died for, the church that he loves. The role of the church is also, so when people get in, the role of the church is to help those people grow up. We want to help them grow in their faith. We want to equip them just like the aircraft carrier. We want to prepare them. We want to equip them. And we do that through biblical teaching, what you're hearing right now. We do that by helping people to find out how God has spiritually gifted them. God has spiritually gifted each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus. And we want to help you find that gift and to put that gift into practice. We help people to grow up by getting them connected into community. Okay, There's no ro- uh, lone rangers in, in Christianity. You need to be in community. You need to be connected. And we do that through small groups or Bible studies or just, man, just simply hanging out together, being together. We want you to have friendships, good friendships. We want you to be connected. 
And lastly, the role of the church is to help people go out. There's no other institution on the planet like the church. Okay? To be very blunt with you, as a church, we're trying to, like, like get out of here. Okay? We're trying to get you out. Like, if you just sit and you, you soak and you just take in, eventually, over time, you're just going to become sour. You're going to become annoying. Okay? So we got to get you to get out of here. All right? You need to take what you've learned. You need to be equipped. And you need to go out from this place and use what God has gifted you and given you to make a difference in this world. So how do we go out? We go out by serving. That's, that's an incredible way to go out, is just simply serving. We go out by using the spiritual gifts that God has given us to serve inside and outside of the church. We go out by making disciples of Jesus Christ. That's how we go out. So the role of the church, you might say, what is, what is the church's job? Okay? Our job is to help people get in, grow up, and go out. That's how we've defined it, and that's how we're moving forward as a church. Paul goes on to say this, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 9. It's like, man, Paul, this seems kind of hard, challenging. Why are you doing this? He says, I do all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. So what what is he talking about here? What are the blessings? The blessing is seeing people meet Jesus, seeing lives changed. I don't know if you've ever tasted this or experienced it, but there is nothing like it. When you see a marriage healed that was broken and it was destined for uh, chaos and you see that redeemed and restored, there's nothing like it. When you see drug addicts, freed from that addiction, and they're walking in victory. There's nothing like it. When you see religious people repent of their self-righteousness, they were judgmental, harsh, and now they're compassionate and kind. There's nothing like it. That's the blessings we get to share. And you get to visibly see transformation, life change. It's the best thing in the world. But you know what? problem is, is we often get in the way. And so many churches, they don't want to change. The message of the gospel is unchanging. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ will never change. That's unchanging. But the methods by which we communicate and operate for the sake of that same gospel must change. We, we have to do things differently. We have to be willing to change. We can't do it the same way we've always done it. Some people, they fall in love with their methods and they lose sight of the gospel. They fall in love of, like, this is just how we do it. And they, they, they lose sight of the gospel. They lose sight of the importance of that message. Jesus, he was born into a Jewish culture. He learned the Jewish language. And by the way, Jesus actually had to travel a pretty far distance uh, to come to this planet. Um, and he was raised in, in, the, in the educational system of that day. He ate the food. He participated in the holidays. He went to the parties. He learned the music. He went deep 
into that Jewish culture. And if we are to follow the example of Jesus Christ, then we need to do the same thing. You know, you may have heard theologians, when they say Jesus incarnate, that's what they're talking about. It it means this. It means that Jesus became a man. Jesus is God, and He became a man, and He entered into our culture. He came into our world. And He participated in the feasts and the festivals, the food, the music, the literature of His day. And we are to do the same. But I know some of you are still thinking like, yeah, Justin, but what about worldliness? Listen, I think the most worldly thing you could do is to not engage your culture because that's what our God has told us to do. He wants us to reach people. So you get in by becoming disciples of Jesus. And once people have gotten in, man, they're saved, they've been transformed by the gospel, they've been baptized, they've committed to the church of God, we want to see them grow up so that they can go out into our culture from which they were delivered and make a difference and lead other people to Jesus Christ. Let's continue on. Paul says this, in order for us to reach our culture, we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. And this is where we start answering the question, what's your role in this culture that we live in? What's your role? He begins in verse 24. Do you not know that in a, ri- in a race, all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? Okay? Like in our day, I know they would probably give ribbons to everybody, but in Paul's day, okay, only one person got a ribbon. All right? And it was the winner. That's who got the ribbon. And Paul goes on to say, so run that you may obtain it. You don't run a race saying, I don't want to win. You run to win. And what Paul is saying, he's just saying, how how serious do we take this? Because honestly, Paul doesn't want to waste your time, and I don't want to waste your time. If you don't want to take this serious, I'm trying to let you know up front, like we're serious about this as a church. How serious do you take this? We are giving our best to see people become disciples of Jesus. He says every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And when you run, when you exercise, when you're, when you're an athlete, you have to have some self-control. A little confession. Um, I've been trying to exercise here recently. I've been doing some CrossFit, and I just want to give you a little counsel. Um, it's not the best idea to eat okay, deviled eggs that have been deep-fried before you go to a CrossFit workout, okay? All right? If ever you try that, that's just my counsel to you this morning. Don't do it, all right? I'm not going to tell you why. Just don't do it. It's not good, all right? So every athlete exercises self-control in all things. It means they're focused. They're serious about it. They're committed to it. And they do it to receive a perishable wreath. They're, they do it to get the trophy, to get the ribbon, and those things are going to perish, but we do it for an imperishable. We do it for a prize that will last for eternity. The souls of men and women and children. Paul goes on to say, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one just beating the air. Okay? Our lives have great purpose. Our lives have great meaning. Your life is worth living. 
He says, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. You see, our lives should be lived with great passion and in great enthusiasm. And our lives should be lived to the fullest. And the motivation to live that kind of a life, it only comes from one place. It only comes from Jesus. Whatever, whatever else you try, it's, it's going to last for a while, but it, it, it will not sustain. It's not sustainable, I assure you. You're, you're going to grow weary. You're going to lose heart. You're going to burn out. You'll give up. Jesus is the only way to have life, true life, life abundant. So let me ask you this morning, have you met Jesus? Have you met him personally? Do you, do you know him? Do you have a relationship, friendship with Jesus Christ? Let me just go in a little bit deeper and say, have, have you asked Jesus to be your God? Say, I, I worship you, Jesus, and I want to follow you. No matter what it takes, where you lead me, wherever we sung about that earlier, wherever we go. So your role as a follower of Jesus Christ is to go out. I know some of us, it's like, man, making disciples, going out just seems so overwhelming, so scary. But if I could just encourage you with this, it just means being a great friend. It means serving whoever it may be in your circle of influence. Maybe it's your neighbor, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's someone in your own family. And when the Holy Spirit gives you the green light, at the right moment, when you sense that and you, you've heard from God, yes, God speaks to you. When the Holy Spirit gives you the green light, you just simply share your story. You don't have to communicate like me or anybody else. You don't have to tell anybody else a story. You just say, hey, this is how I met Jesus and this is how it's changed my life. And you just share your story. I'm going to finish the sermon this morning just with an encouraging thought. I want to encourage you this morning in this, in this idea of making disciples. What if, what if each of us, okay, every single one of us, what if we committed, so we're a smaller church, we had a service at 9 o'clock, um, service at 10.30, so, you know, let's roughly say, what if 165 of us, okay, committed to make one disciple by the end of this year. Just one person in your life that you said, I'm going to commit to, first of all, opening my eyes and looking for people that need Jesus, and I'm going to pray for one individual. If I hear about a need that they have, I'm going to move heaven and earth to meet that need. And I'm going to love them and just be one of the greatest friends that they've ever had in their life, that one person. Maybe, maybe you take this challenge on as a family. Maybe you know someone, and as a family, we're just going to pray for them, we're going to encourage them, we're going to meet their needs, we're going to randomly bless them. But our, our whole objective, our goal, is to see them come to faith, to see them meet Jesus. And what if by the end of this year, we had 165 people come to faith, we had 165 people get baptized. We had 165 people, man, get connected to community. 
that, that would be amazing. I don't know. Just playing a little bit of what if. And, and let me just say this too. Sometimes reaching out to people is not the, the, the easiest thing. This is random. just popped in my head, so it's going to come out of my mouth. Um, <laughs> a buddy of mine I've been praying for for a long time, just trying to be a friend. And I don't know what God's timing is. Man, just trying to be a buddy, be a friend. Anyways, um, I, I took some hog meat over to him that I had gotten when, when I went hunting, and he uh, was giving my family some fish. And so I was going over to pick it up. And Anyways, long story short, I went to his house just trying to be a friend, and his dog attacked my butt, okay? <laughs> so that's just a random weird story to say it's not always easy, okay? <laughs> it's not always easy reaching out to people and trying to be kind, all right? I think I need to wrap this up. All right. <laughs> Anyways, what if? What if we just committed one person that we said, God, can you just put a person in my path that I can really reach out to, love, bless, meet their needs, encourage? I think that could be amazing. I think if we committed to do that as a church and as individuals, I think we'd be well on our way to seeing this region transformed. Because I, I don't have to say it to you. You see it. You know it. But there is so much brokenness in this area. It's crazy to me. And I've had enough. I want to see it changed. I'm going to pray.